Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fuckinucks, what the fuck tuckians? Welcome. This is WTF. I'm Mark Marin. Thanks for tuning in. I'm happy you're here. My guest today is the lovely, the talented, completely charming, endearing, and oh my fucking God, I love her, Jenny Slate. Why do I say fuck so much? I don't just say fuck so much. Why do, why do I say everything, so much of what I do it seems is to stop from having a range of emotions, just leveling them off. Fuck is a non, that's a, that's a stifler. That's not an embracing word. It's not a, it's not a word that, that brings people in. It's a, it's a fist word in a couple of different ways. You know, it's fun to say. I punctuate with it, frankly. It's a little lazy, I know some people find it disconcerting and don't enjoy it. I'm starting to get to that point. I don't know if that's a sign of maturity or what, but I might be, maybe that's the next thing I need to give up is the word fuck. Maybe I got to get off a of fuck. What do you think? I don't know. I'm trying to like, I, look, a lot of you know what's going on with me. Some of it, you know, about a week or so off of uh, of a nic- of nicotine. This is like day nine. I'm off a of coffee too, but I'm drinking tea, which is a different type of buzz. It sort of sneaks up on you, you know, like Empire does. All of a sudden, you know, uh, you're you're being run by something else. The tea. My big idea was that if I got off of the nicotine, I got off the coffee. That you know, my hands and feet and my ears and everything they would all start ringing and stop ringing and tingling and 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 going numb in places. But that has not happened. And I went to a neurologist and I went and got more blood tests and I just got some more tests and everything's normal, which is not great news. Look, I'm not saying I want something horrible to be happening to me, but I'd like a, like a treatable explanation to why, you know, I, my, my hands and feet tingle and sometimes my ears pop. You don't want to know that, that it might just be you bottling up a childhood's worth of garbage on top of the stress that you're going through in the immediate present. That you're just this walking cauldron or pressure cooker or, or you know, or bell jar <laughs> full of bad jelly. Yeah. Full of bad jelly and tears. Preserved. A childhood 
just 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 stagnated and preserved within my heart is a bell jar full of bad jelly come on man can't we just have one nicotine lozenge come on man it's been nine days it's been nine days no no maybe you should give him one how many people are in here how many people there's a lot of us there's a lot of us and one of them is seven and he's sad well bring him up send him up hey how's it going kiddo it's okay is it not really i don't i don't feel good i feel sad give him a lozenge just give him one lozenge just give give him a little something give the kid some give him a taste give him some manischewitz oh god just holding back tears do you ever think about how how much of your life is is just holding back tears i mean i find this when i when i have conversations with people in here that I'll get emotional over very little things. I, I get, I, I do, I do get emotional, but I, I stifle it. I put on Nick Drake album the other day, and I you know, almost lost my shit. But that's normal. That's a normal reaction to a Nick Drake record, is to just you know, lose your shit. But I held it in. I hold shit in. What am I afraid of? I've taken away the nicotine. I'm ready to just, just let love rip out of me. Just like, just shower the world with love. That is not what it is, man. That is not what it is. It is. I feel like I'm going to cry and my heart is going to explode with love for everybody. Not what's happening. Jesus, fuck. Have a lozenge. Not doing it, man. Nine days in. Nine days in, like eight pounds heavier. So that's what gets me back. Are we really, like, there's so much happening in the world of great importance, but nothing as is quite as important as uh, me being a couple pounds overweight. Is that selfish? Yes, it is. Is it true? Kind of is. Is that tragic? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. All right. Here's what's going on. All right. I got a pretty, I got clean bill of health. I'm off the nicotine. I'm off the coffee. All right. I'm not losing my shit too bad. My nerves are a little frayed. My emotions are very close to the surface. All right. I've been dating this person and uh, we're getting along good. We're not fighting. I'm not being emotionally abusive. I'm holding that in. Here's the deal. I'm not really sure how to date somebody that has their own life and, and they aren't, you know, tremendously needy and they enjoy the time we're together and then they go do their own life. It's, it's a very peculiar thing to have somebody just go, all right, well, uh, maybe we'll make some time tomorrow to, to hang out. I'm like, what do you mean? Maybe. What, why Why aren't you living inside of me already? How come we aren't completely enmeshed and connected in a way that I can't differentiate my emotions from yours? And it just becomes this this symbiotic disaster of, of abusive emotions because of needs that can't be met. Why? And full of drama and chaos. Why isn't it that? It's not. It's insane because here's the, here's the funny thing is I, I've gotten to this point in relationships where I've become a bit cynical. The last two kind of kicked my ass in a big way. And now I'm back, you know, I'm, I'm solid, you know, I'm clear. I'm, um, um, I'm out of the woods. I'm, I'm dating this one person and, uh, and I'm a little, I'm, I, I'm a little protective, which is completely new. It's better be to, it's better to be emotionally protective than emotionally abusive and crazy. So now without this nicotine, God damn, 
I'm just feeling all these emotions and my, my nature is to stop them. If I can't make my emotions anger, I don't know what the hell to do with them. Shut that dog up. All right, don't. So I'm not even that angry at that dog. He's part of it. We're all alive in the world. So, so this is new. So now I'm just going to try to let these, these emotions, you know, kind of come through in a way that I can handle slowly without letting it without letting them be anger you know maybe i'm gonna do some crying appropriate crying maybe i'll do some crying on stage fuck man do us all a favor have a goddamn lozenge no man i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna let my emotions happen naturally yeah that's that sounds like a good idea because i've been waiting waiting a long time for that to happen i've just been in here waiting yeah, see, why don't you listen to the kid? Fuck the kid! What he's, he's, He had his time. It's not his time now. Why is that guy always yelling? I don't know. I'm trying to stop him. Go, what are you going to do now, kid? Cry? Make him stop yelling. I don't want him to yell anymore. Just take it easy, kid. Would you shut up? Just go get something else. Go jerk off or something. Yeah? All right, I'll do that. Okay, you all right, kid? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's jerk off? It's going to be okay. I'm going to just, I'm going to relax. I'm going to let myself live. I'm going to get re-engaged in the world. I'm going to stop talking about myself so much. I'm going to help other people in this Christmas season. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to open my heart to, uh, to the animals. And I mean, human animals and regular animals. Um, I'm going to think before I yell, what am I making a list for? It's like, what? there's not even new years. I'm going to, I'm going to eat less. I got to fucking eat less. God damn it get off the nicotine between thanksgiving and quitting the nicotine i got on the scale yesterday and i almost had to i i i almost started running away from whatever happened on the scale <laughs> that's, okay. that's a weird reaction you stand on the scale you just start running for your life <laughs> what is that can't be my weight i'm a fucking troubled man all right, let's talk to Jenny. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get Get your podcasts. Sweet. You are surrounded by stacks of books? I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What part of town do you live in? I live in Los Feliz. Oh, you're one of them? I guess so. Okay, fine. <laughs> you have a house in Los Feliz? I, yeah, I rent a house. Yeah? Yeah. And you have a husband that yeah. you live with? Yeah, Dean. I'm a traditional person in a way. Yeah? In my in my way. Yeah? But I'm also very lonely. Really? By nature. So right now? No, I mean, like, it's really... This is what I would prefer to, like, be in a little space and 
be able to just like talk for mm-hmm. you know I like that and I don't I don't like to be by myself so I need to have a partner right just yeah. someone like almost like furniture hey that guy's there and pets yeah <laughs> yeah I don't care if he's even like talking to me but <laughs> yeah just knowing he's over there they check in yeah are you still in that room yeah exactly and we had like months of arguments because he wanted to get an office uh-huh and I was like, like an off-site office yeah Ooh. and I was like personally really offended by it really did you fight you like, why would you want to be away from me during the day doing your work when you could yes. do work in that room down the hall? Exactly. Where I could walk in and go like, what are you working on? And he was like, because you always walk in and mm-hmm. you're just like stoned and you walk in and like say stuff and you're like distracted. <laughs> Did you say you're stoned and you yeah. walk in? <laughs> I'm like, because so I'm delightful because <laughs> it rules. I'm just, why can't I be a pet? So, so you walk in with sort of like, did you ever notice... Like, uh, uh, this fruit is really good? Yeah, I'll be like, babe, <laughs> cut up a watermelon. Yeah, it's amazing. And he'll be like, ugh. <laughs> what, is he, what does he do? He's a director. Oh, he directs things. Yeah. I should know all this, but uh, I don't. Okay. His full name? His name is Dean Fleischer Camp. That's a good, that's three names. It's a hyphen, yeah. It's a hyphen. Well, his middle name is Lewis, so uh-huh. he's Dean Lewis Fleischer Camp. That, I think he should go with that. Why did he drop the Lewis? I would. Have, I don't think he dropped it. I just. Didn't I would have say dropped it. the camp, quite honestly. Well, yeah. Dean Lewis Fleischer. Now that's that's a fucking director. Yeah, yeah. I feel like well, he yeah he made the hyphen himself. He did to use both parents' names. Oh, they didn't do that. No, he, he's just sort of like honoring both mother and father. Well, yeah, I'm glad he feels that way about them. Yeah, he's like a pretty cool person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so your name's Jenny Slate. Jenny, Sarah I'm slating you. I'm swaying, Jenny. Mm-hmm. I never do that. It doesn't matter because I will introduce you anyways. But I want to make it clear that I know who you are. Okay. What, Sarah's your middle name? Yeah, with an Can H. you turn down the Jew a little? I mean, seriously. <laughs> like, I, I bet no. you that was tricky for, for your parents to, like, I, I bet you they were like, Sarah or Jenny? Sarah. Because you could be a Sarah easy. You think I could? Oh, Jesus! I say something wrong? Oh, no. Is this over? <laughs> yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I just kill myself That right is here. the last time I'm going to hear that. <laughs> No. See, I'm going to assume a tremendous amount of familiarity with you because I feel it. I yeah, feel it. no, it's cool. That's like what happens. It is? Yeah. It's easy you... for me to slip into familiarity. Because you have no boundaries. And... <laughs> I have some. <laughs> I have the right ones. Do you? Yeah, like I've never gotten drunk and taken off like clothing when I shouldn't have. Maybe I don't like to take physical risks, but like I like one time was like on a serious amount of like MDMA and everybody was naked in the pool and I was like, I don't take off my clothes and I went in in my clothes. So that's weird. So you're probably a person that can't be hypnotized. Like there's Not untrue. Like, huh? I have been. Really? For stage fight. For sta- Really? Yeah. And it worked? Yeah. I don't understand that. You have this fundamental core uh, defense that in- won't let you enjoy yourself naked no, with a I bunch of other people. <laughs> Who were naked. I don't like group nudity. I can't handle it. Yeah. But what, I love what looking at What is your fear the, about that? Um, is it like, because I don't either. Is it like you'll be judged? Like, you know, mine's different than theirs? Well, like, he, they're going to see my dick? What? I'm a, I don't want anybody to see my dick. <laughs> I'm not a, ready for it. I've I've only been in this profession for about five years. And that would be a shocker. Exactly. Yeah, it would be a shock. You'd be, it'd, you'd be branded somehow. Because my dick is like... Six feet long. Wow. But I'm only 5'4". That's amazing. So it's a lot more like a tail. Yeah. Yeah. You just roll it up. It has a spine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's so gross. I don't know. Like, we were, okay, so we were driving. It was my ex-boyfriend. That guy. And his boyfriend had rented a house. His boyfriend friend. 
His no, his boyfriend. He's he's gay. His boyfriend had rented him a house. So were um, you the deciding factor in his? No, oh, I mean okay. we when we were together, he was like we were like young and he wasn't ready to to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you kind of helped shepherd him. There's no, no he. <laughs> well, anyway, so well, no, no. I just was there a moment where he just looked at your vagina and said. I'm done here. You know what? I actually feel that he, and he will still say that he, he was like, he was into it yeah. as much as he could have been. <laughs> I felt like we were vibing. Like I didn't really. <laughs> as much as he could have been. Yeah, yeah. Like I think essentially he needs a dick. Yeah. But he what he's not on the Kinsey scale or whatever. Like he's still like turned on by pussies. If right, that makes right. any sense. Sure. Well, it must have. How long did you go out with him? Not that long. Oh. Like five months. Okay, so back to the story. So okay, he so, and his boyfriend, who you get along with, and yeah, you're still friends with the guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're, we're sweet, sweet friends. Um, so his boyfriend rented a house in Palm Springs, and a bunch of us were going there to go and like hang out. And the plan was we're going to take MDMA and like just chill out. Yeah. Which I, and I'd never done that before. And on the way there, that's I like was ecstasy, like, kinda. Yeah, it's like I don't know. That wh- came out after I stopped doing drugs. It's one of the and I uh, yeah, and I've like I did it for the first time at thirty. Yeah. Um. But it's one of those ones where it's like I just feel love. Yeah, totally. Okay, okay. But I thought it was like uh-huh. ecstasy. Yeah. And the only thing I knew about ecstasy was like some sort of like twenty twenty report where they're like you get too horny and like you get holes in your brain and I was just like I would right. never do that and spinal cord things right yeah. and you're just like get away from uh. me I don't I don't I never want to die yeah yeah <laughs> so, yeah who does right so but I think MDMA is something that's like the purer it's right. just the chemical thing it's I a healthy I ecstasy yeah I mean whatever <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah. you need to tell yourself right. to get there sure so we're driving there and I was like ugh I don't want to take MDMA with all these like visual artists they're all going to be naked yeah and I don't like that He's a visual artist? He's a visual artist. What does that mean? He's a painter. Oh, painter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. And so were his friends and stuff. And I was going with like a comedian friend of mine and and his, and our other friend, his girlfriend. And it was terrifying um, to think they were going to be naked. But then we all took it and then they were naked and they all looked gorgeous. Mm. Everyone's body was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe it was the MDMA talking. Oh, it definitely was. (laughs) We were just (laughs) surrounded by cherubs. They looked so good. Okay. Yeah. And you were like, I'm not, nope. I was like, I can't, and I don't know, I really would like to know why I can't just like be naked um, around groups, but I just feel really, really shy. I don't think it's a, like, I don't think you should trouble yourself with it too much. I, I don't think you should wake up and go, today's the day. I'm not I wa- to. I leave my house naked. No, yeah. No, there's no reason for that. Why force yourself if, if it's just not, it might just be because there's like just a part of me that is traditionally kind of just old fashioned. With me, I think it's sort of like, um, you know, what do you, like for me with a dude, I would think, I mean, I'd like to be that comfortable. Me too. I'd love it. Yeah. But like for me, like, okay, so everyone's taking their clothes off. I'm taking my clothes off and I got to walk around going like, it's a grower. It's a grower. Right. The the penis hole thing is like a bummer. You don't want to be that guy at the naked party. Huh? No. And every, and the whole thing. Look at it now. Right. And then here's what I don't get is how people act like they're not staring at everything. Because I was like staring at everything. Yeah. But you were on MDMA. True. How close were you when you were staring? <laughs> oh, no. Will you, will you come here a second? I spent. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's really more complicated than I thought it was. Yeah, I was like an inch away from everyone's bush, like all night long, <laughs> just smiling a really gentle smile. Where Where did you grow up? I'm from Milton, Massachusetts. Okay. First, there's a word association. Okay. Ready? Good. Curry College. Oh, um, man, <laughs> man. 
That's what you get. You stop man. yourself. Man. Um, a man. There was a man that I know that went there. Uh-huh. <laughs> and my sister, he played tennis with my sister. One of my sisters. At Curry College? No. Yeah. At New England Tennis Camp? Uh, there was like a tennis camp there and my sister was a tennis teacher there and there was like a, a cute guy there. Yeah. How do you know about Curry College? I went there my freshman year. You did? I was down the street from you when you were a child. What? When? What year? Um, 81, 82. Oh, yeah. I wasn't born. <laughs> you weren't even there I was yet. getting born. Your dad was around though. Yeah, my dad, Ron Slate. Yeah, he was down the street. Yeah. And your mom. Actually, they bought the house in 81, so you guys were arriving in the town at the they same time. They were excited time. to move in, and I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Did you like it? Well, no, because like it was one of those, um, it was a Hail Mary pass to get out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. My grades weren't great in high school, and they sort of had uh-huh. a program. Like, you know, it was basically one of those schools where I think they had a very, like, nationally renowned program for dyslexics, but they oh. also sort of like, we'll take your fucked up middle class kids, too, if you can afford to have them here. And so you were like, I will go to this yeah, College. and transfer out and try to nail it and move And then where did you go? BU. Oh, cool. It's all right. It's yeah. cool. <laughs> but good. Milton's like, uh, it's uh, hoity-toity. You think that? What do you mean? What? Just own it or not? I don't know, actually. My experience of the town is like so isolated because my parents, like, we all just stayed in our house all the time. But, really? Yeah, like, I didn't go to the public school, so I didn't really know, like, the kids in the town. Yeah. You know, and- I think you're defining hoity-toity as we speak. No, I just mean those children seem dirty, and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where'd you go? Uh, I went to Milton Academy. Oh, of course you did. <laughs> sure, yeah, that was like the really smart school, and then you had the stupid, expensive college, mm. and there was nice houses. Right, and then five miles away, there's Mattapan, and you're yeah. like, oh, everything's different here. Yes, mm-hmm. everything is very different, and Dorchester. There's mm-hmm. like a, a major class discrepancy there. Yeah, it was sort of fascinating to me. I'm trying to remember my experience there. I, you know, I did, I studied hard and, you know, I did well, you know, to get out. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like focused. I was one of those sort of like, he's really bright, but he just is not motivated. And yeah. Like I, 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 I nailed it a bit. Did you feel bad that, that people said that about you? That you weren't motivated? No, because in retrospect, what I'm learning about myself uh, is it is what it is. You know, I was a creative kid, but I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't focus. Yeah. Like, I just was, like, exhausted all the time. Yeah. Like, if somebody started teaching me anything, I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't, I can't stay awake for this. Yeah, that's how I felt about math and, like, clocks. Clocks in general? Like, clocks, like, when I look at the clock that has the face (laughs) with the numbers. Sure, sure. Um, One of those clocks. One of those clocks. I still have to go, like, 5, 10, 15, 20, like, to count the minutes because I just got so bored whenever it was math or yeah. that kind of stuff. And I felt really bad about it until I think recently. But I would do the same thing where I would just be like, I am not going to even fucking do this. Like, And I felt so bad about it. But then English and history, I could, I could get there. But I still just had a really hard time focusing. But I knew I wasn't dumb. And I was just like, oh, like just like, I just want to be done. Well, it's weird. Like math and those things, like the, the puzzle sciences. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Where you know there's definitely a correct answer. Right. There's no speculating. It's like if you learn this, right. the answer should be that. It's like, well, if you already know that it's gonna be something, why do you need to fucking hear it from me? No, I get it. <laughs> I get it. But the idea is like, well, maybe you should make your brain do that. It could help yeah. you when you're counting later. It could. And you should try to do everything. 
I do think, like, as a kid, it's like, just try to do it. Just I, try to do it. I couldn't do it because, like, I just, for some reason, my brain wouldn't do it. Yeah. Like, it, like there was not enough poetry and algebra for me. And people would argue that's one of the more poetic maths. Yeah, I actually kind of got into, like, geometry me for too. a second. The proofs are, like, what right. would do it. Because there's me a too. mystery. And also, it's sort of like, you know, it, 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 there's a sense, to, there's a picture. Yeah. It's sort of like, oh, you can ex- make these, like, prove to why that picture is the way it is. And right. The, and you can see it. And fractals are super cool and poetic mm-hmm. and exciting and contain, obviously, like, the concept of infinity. And that's really cool to think about. That's and- a little exhausting, but yeah. It's exhausting in a way that, like, it's exhausting to Manageable. look into the sky. Right. Because you're just like, ah, my heart. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, there's the poetry. Yeah. And then there, and from there, there's, like, we're just floating through space. Yeah. And then there's, like, this is really temporary. And then there's, we don't really matter. And then there's darkness. Do you go there? Can. I just did. Yeah, you Didn't definitely take. did. It was, like, three or four steps, and I was there. I don't go there. I would just much rather like be a witch and just be like, I'm going to die one day and I'm going to be like 99 and my skin's going to be like bark and my hair is going to be like 100 feet long and I'm going to become a ghost. I, that's probably good. Yeah, that rules. I, I think you're going to be that. I, I'll go with that. I, I hope that for you. Me too. Yeah. Like long, I'm not going to be like, my grandmothers are like beautiful, wonderful old ladies who have hairdos, like sprayed you know, like sure. steel magnolia, there's, like helmet heads. Yeah, there's only like, I think there's only two or three options at a certain age. Either you just let it go gray and wild or you do the three things. Yeah, you gotta be like Maud, like Harold and Maud. Yeah. Just like long, white Ruth braids. Yeah. Yes. That, very few uh, women have the courage. Gotta do it. That seems like the best. Ruth Gordon from Quincy, Massachusetts, the town where my father is from. Quincy, Massachusetts, that's the town where one of my leather jackets is from. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, cool. I drove there to get it. Where'd you get it? Vanson. <laughs> what is that? They make really good leather Vanson? jackets for motorcycle people. They're renowned American leather jacket makers in Quincy, Mass. Yeah. And they have a showroom there, and I went. Cool. But um, where were we going with this? Oh, your um, hair. You're going to be old in your yeah. hair? I, I, I'm, I'm for that. I'm, I think so. And that's the reason why you don't go to meaninglessness when you look in the air. Maybe. Because you want to live to an old age. I and that th- makes, yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah, I want to live to be really old. And the one thing that scares me about it a little bit is that I don't know who will be with me. That's That scares me because I don't know if I ever want to have kids. So that then I'm like, well, I better make a lot of friends and young ones. I think that what you just said is your version of looking into the air and seeing meaninglessness. Yeah. Is it, like, I don't know if I'm going to be alone or not. And I should try right. to counter that now. Yeah. And start collecting people. Right. But then the, the wild card is, what if I outlive them all? Right. Mm. You'll be the one with the story to tell. And by then, maybe you'll be comfortable. Maybe. That, you know, that's the other thing is like. You'll be able to smoke pot by yourself and not freak out. Oh, I can do that okay. very easily. Okay. I mean, I freak out sometimes, but I just like ride it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You just got to get through it, man. I do. I like sure. it. It's weird. The only way forward is through. Is that how it goes? I think the only way out is through. I don't know. Forward, or that's the door, fine. Or go back the other way. The door is through the forward uh, mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, but with, with drugs, you just sort of ride it out, man. I really, um, I go through times where I'm like, I should not be smoking weed. Mm-hmm. I'm way too anxious. Mm-hmm. But then I just think about that it's there and mm-hmm. I want to smoke it really badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do smoke it. And then I'll go through like 15 minutes of a, a very harsh freak out that is like acid in my heart. Like it just, I, like it's bad, really emotional. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be like, 
you're not going to feel this way in 10 minutes. Yeah. Don't even worry about yeah, it. In 10 minutes, it's like everything's going to seem okay. Yeah. And you'll be relaxed. It's so cool. And, in, and <laughs> entertained by almost nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And just like, wow, I'm thinking. Yeah, I love it. Sometimes, I like the other night, I hit a really cool sweet spot where I like felt like everything I said was exactly right. Oh, good. But all of the people mm-hmm. I was talking to didn't seem like they, they felt that way. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't understand. Yeah, my husband was like, uh-huh. <laughs> there's the annoying stoned lady again yeah (laughs) (laughs) so what did you study if it was not math what was your thing what 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 inspired you and made you the creative uh juggernaut that you are i studied well in college i studied english and comparative lit well you went to where columbia fancy yeah so you did pretty well with your no math policy yeah but you know what yeah I always was like a B in math and then an A in English. Okay. And then like really focused on like, how do I just get out of here? Yeah. Not that I didn't like my life, but I really wanted to become a performer and I always felt In like high school, you knew you wanted to be a performer? I knew always. What what kind of business were your parents in that uh, invented you? My dad's a p- poet and my mom is a raku potter. Raku, that's the earthy one. Yeah. You like, you make pot, uh, porcelain- um, pottery, and then you fire it in a yeah, kiln, like, and then you fire it in newspaper. It's sort of like I don't know what's gonna what it's gonna come out like. Yeah, I can only control so much. It looks a little burnt, but I think that's the way it's supposed to look. That's the way it's supposed to. <laughs> yeah, my mom set our woods on fire like fifty times with her kiln, with her barrels, because oh, the kiln is contained, but the barrels have fire coming out of them. Uh huh. And she have both. Yes. Okay. And she would like she's like a super neurotic woman who would set the pots on fire in the woods on purpose but then of course the woods were like brambly and wild and they would catch on fire but she didn't have a permit yeah. to be firing the pot so she'd be like girls girls fire and then we would all like run out with buckets of water and like put it out and did that uh, add to the quality of the pot like you know like yeah. i don't think i could have gotten this texture had we not caught the woods on fire there's something about my mom that wants to make danger all the time with pottery well, yeah <laughs> that's the way she does it i guess Really, she just makes sort danger of like, with her art. Just, just on the edge of chaos. Yeah. Well, did would did she ever get into kind of like integrating sticks and leaves into the pottery, like uh, making holes, and and did she do something other than vessels, like hanging things? She did like really nineties like collages with the ceramic with like pieces. chopsticks and like ceramic pieces, mm-hmm. and they really always bothered me. Mm-hmm. But she likes them, and they are around our house a lot. Are they in other people's homes? Yeah, because she would like most of my childhood, she was like in crafts, like traveling, like she would go in crafts fairs and sell the, take orders and sell the art. Sure. There's a couple approaches to the pottery thing. There are the practical potters who make uh, vessels for everyday use. Right. And then there's the art potters. She was an art potter. Right. But she kind of like, she also sold them in like Neiman Marcus and stuff when they had a gallery there. Oh, so she was, um, she was working it. She worked it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she did her best. She, yeah, and I mean, I love her pottery. I don't like the collages, but I love And the your dad things. was in his study looking out on the yard saying, the woods are on fire. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's pots. My wife, my daughter's, my fire. Um, my dad. Uh, ceramics. He was, uh, he taught at. The University of Madison, Wisconsin, um, the Badgers. Mm -hmm. And then when my older sister was born, which was in Wisconsin, um, he got a job working for writing speeches for like the head of a dude of a computer company called Wang. Wang. I remember Wang computers. Yeah. And like Mr. Wang. No end to the humor to Wang. I mean, Mr. Wang. Wang Center, downtown Boston. Yeah, the Wang Center. Sure. 
Um, my dad. See some shows at the Wang Center. Uh huh. I saw Gone with the Wind. I saw the film. Ah. Uh huh. With the reissue, the reprint. <laughs> I went with my grandfather. <laughs> um. Yeah, my dad, my like, this is the crux of my stand-up, but that my dad spent like the majority of my childhood in a nightgown, like a big long pink night shirt nightgown that said Wang on it. That was what he wore to sleep. Yeah, that's what you saw him in in the morning. Yeah, and when he and was going night. to bed. Yes. Okay. Wang. Yeah. I mean, Wang. It's sure. like I have like a good forty-five minutes on that. Well, yeah. I mean, I could see how it could be both <laughs> funny and traumatic. Uh, not traumatic at all. I guess if you don't know any different. Sure. Like, but then you go to school and you're like, <laughs> my dad fell down all the stairs and he was wearing his nightshirt and we like all saw his butt. And everyone's like, your dad wears a nightgown? <laughs> <laughs> that says Wang on it. Yeah. So he is kind he of a like- published poet? Yeah. 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 He it's he important. won the Breadloaf Award, which Ooh. is like a big poetry award. And I enjoy some poetry occasionally. Oh, yeah. Sure. You would like his poems. They're in the New Yorker and they're good. He's yeah? really wonderful. Do you like poetry? Yeah, I do. Do you have to? No. Okay. He doesn't care. He doesn't. Um, I think he would be upset if I wasn't, like, if I didn't read. No, I think that would be upsetting to everybody. It's like bad. Yeah, yeah. that's bad. That's but, like bad. <laughs> yeah. but, but poetry, I'm not great at spelling. I'm finding on Twitter. Um, I'm not either. The, but poetry is like, I it, I think it's easy to, to sort of dismiss it or be condescending, but it's a tough racket to kind of get those words to yeah. work like that it takes a certain like it's one of those things where people like yeah any of you can write a poem oh if that's true no i don't think it's i mean people think that about photography too i guess um, well that was a big problem with photography yeah once they released the brownie mcgee cameras everyone who was already right. about it was like now what right like, and now it's ruined see that Instagram. person across the street taking a picture of her son she ruined everything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly yeah a lot of people ruined everything um but you it's can... actually all fine yeah, yeah. Look, it's leveled the playing field. Now everybody can do whatever they want and put it up for everybody to see. And exactly. it, makes, it makes the world better. Yeah. The only thing that matters now are our intentions. Welcome to the future. Oh. <laughs> our, our intentions and our visibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Well, my dad, you know, he worked in the like business world for most of my childhood to, you know, make money and didn't have his first big success um, until he was like 50. Oh, that's, and that's encouraging. Yeah, it's cool. Um, As and, a poet, mm-hmm. with the bread loaf of reward. Yeah, he t- he had a long. Sometimes poets take some time. He had a long period of not. I I don't know. I don't know if I should. I'm not sure if I'm correct, but I think not being able to really write what he wanted to write. But he he used to like when they lived in Wisconsin. He had a poetry magazine called the Chowder Review, and well, he could always write what he wants to write. It's just like where is it going to go? I think who was that? There was another big poet who I believe was an insurance salesman, like Wallace Stevens. I think was one. Well, of these. Wallace Stevens is who our dog was named after. Okay, there you go. Yeah, that makes his sense. His name was Wally, and he hated my dad, and uh-huh. he hated all of us. But like as a uh, sort of barometer for your dad's life, Wallace Stevens was probably he was a businessman. Yeah, yeah. So your dad knew that. Yes, he, he did. Th- your dad is sort of like, uh, you know, he was like, well, that guy didn't make it till he was, that guy did. Yeah. That, nah. he, he was the hope. Wallace Stevens was your father's hope. Maybe. My dad's like, he knows, ev- he's the person that I think, except for maybe bugs, you know? Yeah. Um, like, he knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> His blind spot are insects. Like, he'll be like, he couldn't, he'll know stuff about like poetic bugs, you mm-hmm. know? Like, uh-huh. oh, like the praying mantis, like the female eats the male after mating. Like, he'll know something yeah. like that because sure, it's like sure. kind of like sexual and interesting. Yeah. But he doesn't, you know, and he'll know about like beetles and stuff like that. But um, 
I think my dad, I my impression of him is that he knows the answer to so many questions. Good. Almost all of them. It's good to have a dad like that. Yeah, but then he's also like really open and sensitive and I'll call him and be like, I don't know, man, I don't know. And he'll be like, how can you know, Jen? Yeah. How can you know? Yeah. Then I'll be like, oh, phew, okay. <laughs> I'm in the car, I have to go. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for talking me through the first 10 minutes of my high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does your dad ever say that? Are you stoned, Jen? Oh, I think I smoked a little bit too much pot around my parents when I went to visit them recently. Oh, so yeah. there's a concern. I don't know. I mean, I just was so relaxed and I just kept getting to wanting to get stoned. And Like at dinner? Or? Like at everything. And you were just smoking it in front of them? Well, yeah, but they don't mind. I think if I smoked a cigarette in front of them, they would be like, What are you, stupid? What are you, fucking idiot? Yeah. And I'd be like, yes. Do you, you smoke know? cigarettes? <sighs> Yeah, sometimes. I'm definitely trying to stop. Mm. It's really, I, I don't want to. I don't think it's like cool. But the other day, I, I someone took a picture of me and it was, I put it on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I was smoking in the picture and mm -hmm. I thought it was a nice picture of myself. So I wanted it to be there. And then somebody somebody that I looked and saw who they were, were like, you're the best or whatever. And it was like a teenager. And I just was like, ugh. Yeah. No. Why are you doing that? Don't smoke. It's Don't do you. that. You should put that at the bottom of the picture. But you know what? I Looks love cool. smoking. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, I smoked I Marlboro on... Lights. Yeah, I smoked a lot of things. Yeah. I smoked Marlboro Lights towards the end. So you don't smoke cigarettes anymore? Do not. That's really good. It's been a long time. I... I don't do anything anymore. No drinking? Nothing. So, okay, you go to Columbia. The world is your oyster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of felt like that. Yeah, and you're in New York City. Yeah. And you're going to study comparative lit and English. Yeah. English literature, comparative literature. Yeah. And now you're on the Upper West Side. Yes. And you're like, fuck it. I was like, I thought I, I like wanted to be like Felicity. Mm -hmm. How'd that go? You know, it's never what you think it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, look at me. I'm like a young... 18 year old with like limited experiences in every way and I have long curly hair and I'm just like wearing a big sweater mm -hmm. but don't you love wearing sweaters in college yep it's the best loved it the but fall mm. it was cool but then I kind of got like a weird look that was like Jewy Shakira mm -hmm. it was like low riding pants and a belly button pierce and just you like did that yeah that's oh, what yeah. I had gross yeah I was like kind of I'm Erica Badu but I'm Jewish but like I'm Shakira as well yeah. but like I'm Felicity <laughs> And like it was like just the way that um, my best friend Gabe described it was like gypsy chic, mm -hmm. but I was also like a virgin cocktease. <laughs> I know Gabe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he did your show. The live one. He did a live yeah. one. It was very funny. Yeah, he's the best. And he was in the movie with you and he was your comedy partner from mm -hmm. what I understand. See, I was already out of New York by the time you kids were, you know, cutting your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> making the scene. Right. But what, what, what the literature thing. Yeah. What what was your focus? Um, it ended up being pretty split. Like I got really into Dickensian London um, and infectious diseases, mm -hmm. and like really into how like just like smallpox and cholera and stuff like that. But then the um, weight of it. Yeah. Well, like God, I was. Just, I feel like I was just talking about this, but um, maybe it was when you interrupted your husband while he was working. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I had like one class that I felt like shaped everything and it was Wolf, Yates, and Auden. And that was everything to me. That was Thomas Wolf? Uh, Virginia Wolf. Virginia Wolf. Yeah. Okay. Yates and There's a few wolves. Wolf, Th Yates, true. and Auden. Yeah. 
Interesting. Mm -hmm. Huh. How did that all work together? It's sort of like a like people who were used to a certain structure and then um shell shock and World War One like changed everything and how like structures started to fall apart because of our emotions and how we try to keep them together, but like should we or should we not? And it's the very interesting. Time. Yeah, and really beautiful. And I got really into that and then um I didn't have to write a thesis, so I didn't really have to focus on anything, but I got really interested in um, magical realism because Mm -hmm. it's beautiful. I really liked anything that just represented like an open heart and unmanageable emotions. Yeah, that seems to be, is that on your resume? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) God, I don't have a resume. I haven't seen a resume in years. No, I, I don't have one. I, I had one for waitressing that I passed yeah, around. I don't, yeah, after a certain point, they're not necessary. No. You can just see, you can just say, well, you can go online and see the thing. Yeah. yeah. You're like, fucking get the on the computer, yeah. dum-dum. Which Yates poem? Mm, I guess I always loved Lita and the Swan. Yeah? But. And not like uh, Ode to a Grecian Urn. Or the second coming, the second coming. I Come like on, the that second a lot. Coming. Yeah, like there's like things are not good in that poem. Things but, fall apart. Yes. God damn it. Yeah, things fall apart. You know, and I can I, see why you avoided that one. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't. I don't. Sometimes people think that because I'm cheery or whatever that it means that I'm like silly or repressed. But honestly, I just think it's the opposite. That's weird. I would never associate that. Oh, really? With those character traits like because you're silly and what was the other some people because i'm silly and cheery no uh um i would immediately go uh, paralyzed with fear and occasionally sad i am occasionally (laughs) sad i'm not paralyzed with fear but i i i would say that i i feel very lonely often yeah even among people no Mm. No, not among people. But like if there's an hour or two where there's no people around, it's sort of like, oh. Yeah, I feel sad like a puppy, like a dog looking out the window. You need connection. Yeah. Yeah. And that also made it hard, I think, to like have proper relationships with people. Because too needy. Yeah, too needy. Yeah. I'm drained right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm really sorry. You asked me to come here. You invited me. I'm the same way. <laughs> you are. Yeah. Yeah. No. What do you think? Why am I doing this? Yeah. This is what I do. Right. Now it's good. It's just because I need to connect with people and feel like if you were if you were just sort of rambling off and not actually engaging with me, it'd yeah. be horrible. It'd just be me pounding up against your boundaries. Yeah. Saying like, why don't you let me in and identify with me? I can't let you pound up against my boundaries. I'm sorry. You're married. (laughs) It's just wrong. Yeah. It's just not right. That's not what I'm like. I told you I'm an old fashioned person. Um, (laughs) I'm a boundary pounder. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, but I I tend to look at all of those things as like, um, because I think I went through a time of being embarrassed of being naturally lonely by nature but I also think that there's something really great about it because I know how to use it in the way that is useful for me well I think there's something about like even in um, I don't know a lot of your stand up work but just in your disposition like in in the movie Obvious Child I mean they're they're like it's not it's not a depressive loneliness no it's it's sort of like you know it's uh, like it's it's full of of, uh, an aggravated excitement to to be part of something Thank you. That's a really nice way to put it. I think, yeah, it's like, 
how can loneliness also be a total celebration of being alive? But that is what it's like. And it's like when I, I have never, I know, I never have like made a stand up album um, or toured. And but when I do my stand up, it's it's just a need to connect, but not like a, I've like I'm very careful. I think of making sure that it's not masturbatory. Like it's just I'm just like no masturbation jokes. No, no tons of masturbation <laughs> jokes. But it's like, can you want to like? Can I tell you stuff? Like, do you want to know stuff? It's a framing. It's a it's a context. Yeah. No, I I I, I I'm the same way. The, the The problem that I had early on was like I had this need to connect, but I didn't trust the connection. Yeah, that's why I got stage fright. Yeah, I, well, I didn't. Well, I, I didn't get stage fright. I'd be preemptively aggravated with the audience. Oh, like my as right. opposed to being stage fright, I'd walk out going, "Well, this this is gonna suck." Right. And there's why would they like me? And yes. now I walk out ready to sort of defend myself. Right. To fight. And I I would walk out. I I had the same thing, except um, I think I tend to turn it on myself. So instead of like, well, these fucking assholes, they don't even like me. Yeah. You know, it would yeah. just be like, Ugh, I'm such a. Ooh. I turn it on myself, but I, that seems to be established. Right. <laughs> like, that's a given. Now let's take on the rest of these idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think I would have an attitude that would be like, I like myself. Fuck you. Just give me a chance. And it would be like, nobody said there anything. You the, You're the person who's supposed to be talking. The defense, is, the defense of liking yourself is the first sign. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Crying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what was, um? so you did well in college. Yeah, 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 I did. And that's where you started doing the, the, the sketches and whatnot? Yeah, I started doing improv. That's where I met Gabe Liedman and- um, In an improv group? Yes. In college? Yeah. Uh-huh. Actually auditioning for like this like stupid, well, I probably shouldn't say that, but- because I'm, cause I'm sure it, it meant a lot to me at the time. Mm-hmm. But it's like this thing that they do at Columbia called the Varsity Show, which is kind of like the Harvard Hasty Pudding. It's right. like a musical comedy about college. So yeah. it's like a lot of inside jokes about the chicken fingers in the snack bar or whatever. Yeah. Um, there was like literally a song about chicken fingers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. It's regional within the college. This is all like, oh, they're talking about that cafeteria. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so that's how Gabe and I met auditioning for that. And it was like uh, Fast Friends. Yes. It was like immediate. The, f- the first time we hung out, um, we got really stoned. And there was a mm-hmm. website called Cosmo.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can order anything. You could be like, I need a toothbrush. I need like a pineapple. And I need um, E.T. on VHS. <laughs> yeah. And so we were like, sweet. We need Doritos. Uh-huh. And we need Actually, we were looking for E.T. <laughs> we were looking for E.T. And we- it come within hours or... Well, I don't know because it never worked because we kept typing in E.T. and it just kept saying, did you mean Tank Girl? We were like, no, we don't fucking mean Tank Girl. Um, And so we went on like a adventure to try to go to the Blockbuster Mm -hmm. to get E.T. But we took us like a really long time to get there because we took the train the wrong way and we were just like too stoned to do everything right. And when we got there, we finally found E.T. and then neither one of us had an account. Oh. Yeah. But that was, you know, but from then like, on, hey, we were best it's, friends. It's about the journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the first time. And that then was the first you started, time we hung out. when did you start just uh, performing solo or, or outside of the group? Um, Gabe and I, we were like in a sketch group with some of the people from the improv group that we were eventually in in college when we graduated in 2004. And then some of those people wanted to like get other degrees and stuff. So we started doing stand up as a duo. At Rafifi. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, 
And then we started doing stand-up separately also, I would say like maybe a year into that. Okay, so yeah. Rafifi was where, what, bring your friends or what, bring them up or- Invite what, them up. Invite them up, yeah. Merman's Empire. Bobby and Eugene, yeah. Bobby and Eugene sort of put that place on the map. Yeah, they did. That was after I left. I remember doing one or two shows there when I went back. It yeah. was, uh, but it was like a, 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 a significant alt comedy venue. It, it was a hive. Era, yeah, it was everything. Era that you were coming up in. Yeah. What year are we talking? 2005. God damn it. 2006. Jesus. Yeah. And it was like everything to just do. They, they had a bit on uh, Invite Them Up that was called 30 Seconds of Stand Up. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were given 30 seconds to do stand up. And I remember the first time Gabe and I got that and we were like, this is our like big break. <laughs> it was like, you know, How'd it sounds it crazy. It, sounded, it was great. It went great. And then it was like Nick Kroll and John Mulaney had the Thursday night show. Mm-hmm. Greg Johnson had the Friday night, and Gabe and I eventually got the Monday night. Where's Greg Johnson? He's in New York. Is he all right? He rules. Good. Yeah. I love that guy. He's a good guy. He's really special and funny. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a while. All right, so you're doing solo stand-up. You're what, 20? 22. 23. And you still, because I don't know you as a stand-up. Yeah, because I just do it for fun. Right. And which is weird, and like all of my friends make albums, and I- I'm not bad at stand-up. I, I, I think I'm good at it, but I just have never wanted to do albums because it makes me feel scared to say something and not be able to say it again. Oh, what? oh I get it because it's already done. And I kind of like to, I, I do talk, you know, say the same stories like again and again, but I just, I like to say them differently to the new people every time. That no, I, I'm, I'm on board with that, yeah. But sometimes my husband's like, why do you do that? Like, you're going to really regret this. Like, you should really record this. And I just don't want to. I'm like, you know what? you can record it for yourself. Sometimes I record my sets and I listen to them in the car on the way to a new show. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I loved that time. But looking back on it, I feel very romantic about it. But at the time, also, it was really hard, obviously. Why? Just... Because I was like unemployed and really I got into stand-up, but I always just wanted to be a movie actress. And then I just became, I became a stand-up comedian and was like, oh, this is like, and I've always felt like I'm not, I'm kind of a storyteller. I'm kind of just like a talker. When did the um, opportunity start to happen? Uh, I, in 2009, I made it, I was like, okay, this is really weird. This is like, a sounds stupid, mm. but why not? So I was doing, mostly doing stand-up with Gabe. Um, and Team we, thing. Yeah, and, then, and and also separate. And then we had a, a show, I believe we had it then, called Big Terrific with mm. Max Silvestri. I remember that. I yeah. remember Max. It's Max. still there. Max is in an unreleased WTF. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's not gonna, never the gonna best. Never going to be released. Um, we should have him for a real one. I okay, think he's right. one of the funniest. But anyway, so uh, I think we were doing that then. If not, it was still called At Night with Gabe and Jenny. But anyway... We're doing it. I went to see this psychic, this like tarot card reader. Mm. And I do this kind of stuff. I used to do it. Now I don't. Um, that she was like, you need to get all of your characters out there. And I was like, yeah, I don't do sketch. I don't do that. And she was like, no, you you did though, didn't you? And I was like, well, yeah, I guess you're right. She was like, you need to do it because otherwise you're just going to, you're going to feel nailed to a spot and you need to do it and get them out and put them onto a stage and if you do that, she was like, you need to do that um, by the winter. And if you do that by August, you'll be offered the big stage. And then by September, you're going to be calling me 
and you're going to need help, but it's going to be okay. And I was like, this is like terrifying, you know? Well, I like that she was forward thinking. Like, you she, know, like she, here, she here, put a calendar here, on it. Yeah. Here's my card. Yeah. Don't, you know. It was like crazy. So I was like, all right. And then I started to, uh, my husband and I were, were together at that point, And I was like, I want to do a one woman show, but I hate that they're called that. So I'm going to do like a one lady show. And the only thing I could think of was like, if that what would it be like if I died right now? Um, what would and I died as an eccentric millionaire, and so I made a show called Jenny Slate Dead Millionaire. That was it took place at my funeral, um, and it was that I was an eccentric millionaire, and I left all of my money to the dog, and I eulogized myself in all different characters, including like Gloria Estefan, uh-huh. who claimed that I had bought her a new bus after her old bus ran her over. Because I, <laughs> I used to think that's what happened. Because you know she got in like a big bus accident. Yeah. Right. So I used to think that she got run over by her own bus, but that's not what happened. Okay. But anyway, um, and and it, I had a video, Will, that I like made with my husband, and he made these beautiful, really weird, high-concept videos, and we did the show at UCB, which I wasn't really a part of, but they were nice enough to let me do it. So I did that, and then like a week later, um, it was up in like May, and I did it for a week, and then um, I had one. And then on the second one, I guess somebody from SNL like heard about it, and they came. And then a week after that, I had my audition for SNL. Mm. And also at that time, just randomly, I um, got hired to be in these sketches on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon when in their first season and had gotten on Bored to Death. I had just like stumbled into an audition for Bored to Death, which was on HBO, as like a cashier. And then... That was recurring. Well, yeah, somebody had liked me, and then they they like wrote me into the show, right? Um, as far as I understand, um, and that's all I got an agent also because I worked with Jason Schwartzman um, on that first day, and he was like, "Oh, you know, like this is really fun. Let's work together again. Who's your agent?" And I was like really embarrassed and was like, "I don't have one. I'm just here." <laughs> yeah. And so he sent his agent to come and see me. Oh wow! And that's how I got an agent too. So that so kind of like all did this you like weird working shit with happened. Jonathan Ames? Uh huh. Yeah. He's, he's an like a, odd one. a weirdo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he knows that he is. No, he's made a living on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but all I right, never so, felt... So it all sort of happened in a flurry. Yeah. Within a, you know, a six-month period. Yeah. And it was just sort of the heat was on. Just, but, like, just that I started working. It didn't at all feel like no, but those I are got big, my break. No, those are... Well, At okay. least I was off unemployment. You know, I wasn't in I nanny. think that's a nice way to frame it, but I think in retrospect... Yeah. You can see it as a break. I know. It's just so weird because it's only now that I feel a little bit more like I've gotten a break. Now, this is part of, it's a thematic element of my show. Mm. So who came to see you from SNL? Marcy? Mm-mm. Um, Ayala Cohen, mm-hmm. I believe. And so that process, so it's a, it's a big deal. I think that what's interesting before I, I let that go, just for people that are listening and learning, uh-huh. is that you did a fairly peculiar and very abstract one-person show. Yes, I did. And you committed to it. Yeah. You had this conceit that, you know, I would have been like, that's crazy. And you (laughs) locked in. Yeah. And you built around it. You built something out of nothing based on ridiculousness. Yeah. And it it was great. I think so. I I thought it was really beautiful and it was really high concept and like, it was like, there's so many fucking shitty one people shows where they're just like, these are all my voices that I could do. Like, these are my wigs. Yeah. You know, and you're just yeah. like, cool. Who doesn't I hope you know had this fucking guy? fucking fun, yeah. man. Like, you're just like, I don't want to watch this. Right. This audition. So I had a through line. Yeah. Like, I, I, 
just did it because this psychic was like, do it. And did was, you like, involve cool. her in the show? No. Mm. Um, Have but, you gone back to her? Yes. Okay, so that's we're going to end with that. But um, all right, <laughs> so what happens with the SNL audition process? So they were like, you... I can't remember if I had to put in a tape. I don't think I did. Sometimes they make you send in a tape and then you can get um, uh, an audition. But I believe I just went right in. But I only had a week. Mm -hmm. And I was like, not from the Groundlings or UCB. Like, I didn't have polished characters. Right, that you've done over and over again. Right. And also, like, I was 26, I believe, or 27. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was 27. And I didn't think that they were going to hire anyone anyway because they had just hired Abby Elliott and Michaela Watkins. Mm -hmm. And I just thought I missed my chance and that I was like, honestly, just not, (laughs) I mean, in the end I was right, but like just not right for the show. And I had a week to put together these characters. I had to do five and two of them had to be impressions. And so I just was like, well, fuck it. I mean, like I'm not going to try to figure out what they want because then I'll end up on the show and I'm going to be tasked with like, keeping up the appearance of like being an you know being an imposter basically right. and trying to do normal characters when I'm not interested in that right. or I don't know what normal is but whatever but you, th- you you didn't want to hack it out you didn't want to just sort of like no. well everybody likes this thing and I'm going to do a thing like that because that's related right and, like yeah. what's the game of this character and it's like I don't care yeah. I don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't fucking know I don't know that's not why I perform what, what kind of language is that what? What's the game of this character? I think it's like improv language. Okay. You know. Um, but so I put together the audition and I was just like super scared. And I took the B train from Brooklyn to Rockefeller Center. And that was what was kind of cool. And maybe this is cheesy, but I've, I had always wanted to be on SNL since I was very, very young. I wanted to be both like movie actress, like uh, Madeline Kahn. Mm-hmm. And Ruth Gordon, and also wanted to be like Gilda Radner and Lorraine Newman. That's like I just wanted it always. And I all those make sense for you. Yeah, no, they're cool, um, and they're right, and they're all women that have like a cool style and can't be replaced. And I just was like, funny. I want that. They're all funny, and they're very funny. Defined and, funny, and full of joy yeah. and full of life. Right. And anyway, so I used to, my therapist was one stop after Rockefeller Center, and I used to like ride through and be like, one day I'll get off here. One day I'll I'll get off here. It sounds like the beginning of a movie. Yeah, kind of, except yeah. like a really short one or yeah. a really long one year so long you movie. Got off. <laughs> <laughs> one movie that is one year long and you nobody wants to watch it. Um, but so I did the five characters and I performed on the stage and I remember um, they like put you in a dressing room and I was like so scared. I don't know if I've ever been that scared. Was terrified. Got up. I, we did the audition on the stage. And they were just like, nobody's going to laugh. So just do it and leave. And like, don't try to kiss up. Don't try to like talk to Lauren. Just like do your shit and leave. And I remember being like, fine, I will do my shit and leave because I have a life. And at the end of the day, like (laughs) I'm going to shit into a toilet and so is everyone else here. And so like. Lauren's going to shit on a much nicer toilet. Well, sure. And then he's going to get like water sprayed up onto it. Whereas like, you know, I'm going to like do normal stuff he'd probably have to switch over to that bowl do you think like so you do he shits in one bowl and then he goes to the bidet or maybe he's got like a special one i get to make those who could know yeah who could ever know you know i'll ask him if i ever get the chance (laughs) yeah that's the one thing talk about your toilet (laughs) so the gold one i did it yeah and then but and then everyone laughed and i was like uh okay and then and then i was like they're nicer than everyone says. Yeah. 
And they laughed at everyone. Like I heard them laughing at everyone. Yeah. It wasn't just me. Right. And so I was like, are people just trying to make this be a scary place? Yeah. Um, and then I was just like, hey, at least I got to stand on that stage. Right. So whatever. And yeah. then I just took the subway home. Yeah. But I remember when I left, I shook Lauren's hand and I shook Seth Meyers' hand. I just remember like they both smiled and I was like, a thing that I've said over and over again to my mom because she's like, why do the animals always come up, uh, and walk on our lawn, like the foxes and the deer? And I'll be like, because humans aren't natural predators, and I think they know that. And she'll always be like, they don't know that. But I think, I was like, oh, yeah, they're not, they're not mean. They're not, like, trying to hurt my feelings. And then that was in June, I think, and, um, like, the first week of June. And then I had all summer, and I moved to L.A. for the summer because I had an agent for the first time. Mm-hmm. And... I worked on like a terrible TV show where I was. Congratulations. It was real bad. Yeah. yeah. Bad three camera. And I was like, this is cool. <laughs> I liked what show it. was that? It was called Brothers starring uh-huh. Michael Strahan and CCH Pounder and Carl Weathers. And I was the one white person on it. Uh-huh. And I was like that crazy white bitch yeah. who was like, I could tell you, <laughs> but then I'd have to kill you. <laughs> it was like, what is this? Yeah. This is the worst. Um, but I liked it because it was. I like working. Yeah. yeah. And then August, they were like, Lauren wants you to come back and audition again. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? They had, had to do all new characters. And so I did that. But you didn't say no. No. I was like, yeah. you can't. Yeah. You know, who would mm. say no? Right. At least, I mean, now, <laughs> now I'd say no. <laughs> but, um, you, you know, so I went back and I did it again, new characters. And I walked in and I had like a big bag of wigs. And Seth was like, I am very excited to see what comes out of that bag. And I just remember going, me too. And then I was like, why did I say that? But I was excited. I think s- somebody else that I knew was there. Maybe uh-huh. Colin, maybe, I don't know if it was, I didn't really know Colin Jost. It might have been John Mulaney. But anyway, yeah. I did it again. And then I waited a week. And then they were like, Lauren wants you to come back to meet with him. But it doesn't mean that you're hired. And don't expect anything. And you'll probably wait for like three hours to see him and just like sit there. And I was like, oh, Okay. This is so psycho. <laughs> yeah. I went through this, yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, then I went there, but then I didn't wait. I just got there, and Nassim was also there, Nassim Pedrad, and um, I waited for like 10 minutes, and then I went in there, and he asked me- um, Who was in the room? Lauren. Just Lauren. Yeah, in his office, mm-hmm. and he was like, where are you from? And I said, Massachusetts, and he was like, have you worked with wigs a lot before? And I thought he meant Kristen Wig. And I was like, I've never even met her, but I really admire her. And he was like, no wigs. And I was like, oh, this sucks. Like, I was like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Um, But I just kept telling myself, like, he's just a man. He's just a man. Like, you have so much life in front of you. That's all that matters. Don't worry about it. And so I was like, oh, duh. And I remember saying, like, oh, no, sorry. I don't know. No. uh, Yeah. I've worked with, like, wigs in my one-person show, but I don't, like, do that a lot. I don't have any with me. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I, 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 you know, here and there, but I would be very comfortable with them. And then he was like, well, I think you'd be a great addition to the show and we're going to get you an office. And I was like, so I wanted him to say it. So I was like, so I'm going to be on Saturday Night Live. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, that's so great. And I was like, I know you've probably, you've seen this like happen a million times before where people were like, I can't believe it, but this is my childhood dream and I'm so excited. And he was like, okay, well don't tell anybody because you know, we haven't announced it yet. And I was like, can I tell my nanas? And then he laughed and he was like, how old are your nanas? And I was like, they're this you know, age. And then 
and he laughed and I was like, can I give you a hug? And he was like, sure. And then we hugged and I went outside and Seth was waiting there and he was like, well, what did he say? And I said, he said, I'm going to be on the show. And Seth was like, whoa, that doesn't really happen. And I said, he said I could have an office and stuff. And then Seth was like, let's try and go find John Mulaney. So we went into the offices and because I knew John and um, we couldn't find him. And and then I was like, well, I'm going to go. And then I went outside and I went into the, the courtyard of Rockefeller Center and whoops, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> okay. I called my parents and I said, I'm going to be on Saturday Night Live. And it was really exciting. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, where, where are my Kleenexes? <laughs> I don't need any. Okay. That, <laughs> I yeah. never cry when I, I just, you know what? It is a beautiful story. And sometimes I forget that. <laughs> yeah. We now I'm crying. Oh. I had Kleenex. Oh. Because it is like cool to achieve something that you've always wanted and to do it kind of on your terms. And yeah. To call my parents like, they were just so stunned. Like, we were all so stunned. Just, I came from, like, this fucking haunted house with these two artists with the woods on fire. <laughs> yeah. And just, like, had this one dream and went to college and didn't become an asshole and, you know, did that. And it didn't, I was there for just the right amount of time. But, you know, to just call them and make that phone call. Right. Honestly, I, f I forget about that. Right. And it was really really meaningful yeah yeah it's amazing <laughs> it's a great story yeah it is that it was so you know beat for beat like it wasn't yeah. convoluted it was just no sort of, and seth was like what yeah it was yeah. so cool and it was like and also it's like there's seth myers he's like this like handsome man that i just had seen on tv for so long mm -hmm. you know and and he's like nicer than you ever think he would very be. nice guy yeah yeah and i was just like so, but then I was so scared. <laughs> when you went to work? Yeah. Yeah. Then I was so scared because there was this whole thing of like, everybody saying no one's going to tell you anything. So everybody told you all this stuff and none of it to this point turned out to be true. Really. Right. right. Yeah. Because you have a lot of reps, like, you know, agents and managers mm -hmm, being mm -hmm. like, they're not going to do this. They're not going to do that. Like, or like, I never read any of those books, but you get the sense that people are like, it's really hard for women. And mm -hmm. I didn't feel that way. And then I, a bummer, in a bummer way, I've been misquoted a bunch of times saying that they didn't like, like me as a woman. But that is not true. Yeah, I, they, Nobody was ever like, sit down, little girl. <laughs> you know, right. like everyone was nice, nice to me. And how many shows did you do? I, I did the season. Yeah. You know, so 26, I mm -hmm. think. Yeah. That's exciting, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, it's all of it. It's exciting, terrifying, exhilarating. It felt a lot like, like, if I hadn't been on it, I would tr still be trying to be on it mm -hmm. now at thirty-two. Like I would right. always try to be on it because it was my dream. But it's like getting to. I wish I didn't have to do a sexual metaphor for it, but sometimes I make everything into like a satisfaction. Um, situation it's like getting to sleep with that like really hot person that you're like they're so wrong for me I'll be my worst self around them yeah I'll always try to be so hot and so perfect around them and like I will always even if they like consistently want to be with me I'll always wonder if they still want to be with me the second after we're done <laughs> that's what it was like it's, I think that's reasonable 
Yeah, it's just like sucking a dick and then being like, nah, me. And they're like, no, sorry. This <laughs> 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 is what it's like. It's sort of like. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh ugh, I don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. Yeah. Um, But it didn't end well or it did? Um, Well, looking back on it, it ended exactly as, as it should have that's ended. That's the best way to look back on anything. Yeah, I mean, I w- it was like really hurt my feelings when I got fired. But what what was the story? I don't know. I don't know why I got fired. But what was the what? What did you do? I think. I mean, well, first of all, obviously, my first episode was like a disaster um, because I said fuck, and I'm like over talking about that. That's what happened. I said yeah. fuck by mistake um, in a sketch that I wrote, and then the like. What really sucked about that was that I became the girl that made a mistake when until. Then, like, I just kind of lived my life my own way, and I was a stand-up, and... You can say fuck. And you know what? You can say fuck. And also, who gives a shit? Yeah. I don't feel bad about it, and right. I'm not sorry. Um, I'm but only sorry for how I treated myself. That You beat yourself up? So much. So bad. After the first episode? Yeah. Oh, it must have been just fucking awful. It sucked. I mean, everybody was so supportive. Like, I remember even at the good night. Was it unprecedented? I don't know. Like... I didn't know anything right. about what was going on. It had never been on live TV. It slipped out. I was too comfortable and too excited. And like, whatever. The reason why I don't like talking about it is just because it's usually in a, in a more traditional interview when people forget like everything else I've done and it bothers me and I don't yeah. like the idea of like, and I, I said this like to Terry Gross, which was like really scary, but I did. And I was like, I just don't like the idea of like, Seth Meyers or Bill Hader or Amy Poehler listening to this and thinking this is what I'm talking about when I've like done a lot since then and I've been I've done those things I'm proud of on purpose. Yeah. You know. But anyway, um yeah, I mean I just think people other people just seem to like fit in better. Just they were more but nobody's at ease. I mean, even like Kristen would be like, I don't know, I'm nervous every week. You know. Um but But you did stay there the entire season after I that. I did. And I did some things I'm really proud of. Like I love this like doorbell character that I did and I wrote a sketch for Betty White where she was going, she's a lesbian and Amy Poehler was playing like an obvious young lesbian and everyone was like, you know, trying to make her be something she wasn't and it was like a total honor to write that for Amy and to be in that and it was both positive and really, really hard because I was super abusive to myself. I just, my husband said that it was like watching a bunch of football players stomp on a painting. <laughs> but I don't know who... I am the painting, you know. And also and the football players. half the football players. Yeah, like he was like, whatever. Like, why do you even care? Why do you care? Just well, be, well, but, but that I know, but the, you, you know, that's easy to answer. It's yeah. the most important thing in your life. Right. <laughs> you, know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's something you want to do your entire life. Yeah. And, and, you know... The, the thing about having a personality like that I share with you is that, you know, whether or not you admit it, you want desperately to be liked and you want desperately to connect and yeah. you want to do a good job. Yes. And if you're not getting that feedback, you know, your your natural tendency would be to be like, I'm not doing a good enough job. They don't like me. Right. You know? So it's a creative problem. It's a, it's a Achilles heel. Yeah. There is sort of like the sense there, at least that what I erroneously assumed, because also I had like watched you know, um, all the Gilda Radner shit. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm perfect for this because I'm wild 
at heart mm-hmm. and I work off of joy mm-hmm. and and when I'm not happy and when I'm scared like I I, I don't do well yeah. so I was like I'll, I'll be and my parents were always like yeah you're perfect for it because of that like you can definitely do it and then I got there and I was like oh it's not I don't want to call it a culture of fear but it's a high stress environment and you almost have to earn the right to be operating off of joy only. I don't know if anybody does that. You're making, as Lauren said to me, and I, I don't think I'll ever forget it. Like, he was like, it's okay. But, like, he was like, I'm going to pull you back now because I don't want this to be the first thing that everyone writes about you, you know, that you said fuck. Which, by the way, it, it was. And I think it's kind of over now. But he was like, it takes a long time, at least three years, to become comfortable in the top of a skyscraper in in a skyscraper in the middle of New York City in the middle of the night on live TV. Yeah. And I just remember being like, yeah, I guess that is what it is. That is what we're doing here. It's like fucking psycho. Yeah. Psycho job. Yeah. And um, I'm really glad that I only had to work there for a year. And I, I think it's sort of a benevolent act that I got fired. And I didn't really expect it until like at the end of the year, I was like, all right, I had a rough go, but I, and I remember Seth saying to me, like at the final party, he was like, you're going to be a force of nature next year. And then I remember like a week later, suddenly having this feeling, I was like, no, I'm not, I'm going to get fired. And then I just waited all summer to get fired. And I like went to France and got super fucking constipated and just like couldn't take a shit in France. And it sucked. I was, was like eating tons of cheese and baguettes and like connect the two. I, I, yeah, I think I just like held in my shit until you got fired. I got fired. And then you let it go. And then I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> and I just like broke 90 toilets in a row. And you, you don't really, you never really investigated why, or you have a sense of it. It doesn't, not that it matters, but I mean, just for your own. Well, sense, what happened was closure. I was in therapy mm-hmm. and I got out and mm-hmm. I, I went on my phone and I saw on deadline Hollywood, which now That's I would, how you found out. Yes. Uh-huh. Was that I was fired. And so I called my agent, Sharon, and I was like, hi, Sharon. Um, Sharon Jackson? Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just read that I got fired, but nobody called me. Like, is it, I mean, I, I was like, I, I kind of expected, but I don't know. Like, did I get fired? And um, she was like, well, I haven't heard anything. And, you know, let me check it out. And then, and she was like, but I did see Deadline, you know. And she was like, I don't know. Let's, you know, let's not say yes or no yet. And then she called me back and... She was like, yeah, honey, you're fire or, you know, like you're not renewed, but it's okay. And I was, I started crying and I was like, I feel like somebody just put me in a hole. Like, I'm so embarrassed. And, but then it was like a huge sense of relief. And then I just went to the supermarket and bought a lot of groceries and just started to bake and like baked all these cookies and ordered pizza and invited my friends over and just smoked a ton of weed and was like, phew, man, I never have to do that again. I never have to feel any of those feelings again. And that I will never forget that. And then I just like wrote Seth a thank you note and said thank you because I really, really liked him. And he's a great boss. And then he, you know, he called me and we talked and I don't know. And then it was just over for me at least. Well, it sounds like, you know, in retrospect and, and in dealing with, you know, what, how it, like how you reacted to it. 
and what you put yourself through during it and because of it yeah. was in your control. And, and, and you don't have to do that again, no yeah. matter what the situation. And also, it seems to me that, you know, the, the experience was invaluable. Yes. And, and that, you know, you lived through it and you did some great work. But, you know, the biggest lesson is not only that you're professional, but that, you know, you don't have to ever treat yourself like that in any situation. Yes. And I don't know that I would have learned that in such a, like, succinct right lesson Mm -hmm. and by the time I was out it it was like and also my husband and I had just made Marcel the shell Mm -hmm. and I realized like something in my nature which is like there is a deep well of just wanting to be alive like I get super pumped to go to bed at night because I'm excited to wake up in the morning and I love Mm -hmm. being alive and I was just like that is not a negligible part that's not a part of me that's like silly I'm putting that forward that's going to be the first thing and also, there's a, a alongside that there's a well of creativity because you know Marcel the Shell the 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 film and the and the book yeah. like the the thing is is that you were afforded this luxury mm-hmm. of in in a way of not doing you know six or eight seasons of SNL yeah thank tapping God. out as a as a female performer being typecast yeah and then you know sort of on the other side of it at forty or forty now I'm not saying it's a negative thing but then struggling to define your voice right like you know you were sort of afforded this luxury though yeah. it was painful. To sort of still have this time now as a relative uh, unknown in terms of what you can do and what's ahead of you. Yeah. To to really define yourself on your own terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Totally. It's like really sort of a you know prototypical birth by fire. It's great. But it's cool and like I, that doesn't mean that I, I didn't you know get stage fright or whatever after. Yeah, but but yeah. fuck it. And in general, I if I looked into the future then. Mm-hmm. you know and could see myself now and especially after having made obvious child like making an independent film with these two women that i love so much and that make me feel like better and in every way about myself and make me feel excited and to just have full on done this um i would be proud of the specificity of this type of personal um success no, it's amazing, and I, you know, to, you know, you obviously you've done you know some TV and you've done some voices for animation and stuff, but Obvious Child, you know, I watched it and I get a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, you know, people are like go see it, but I went and saw it in the movie. You did, thanks. yeah, and I wasn't that familiar with you, yeah, and um, only because I'm relatively detached. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, and uh, you know, like that movie, I was like so excited when I left, like that was great. That girl's great. <laughs> I want to talk to her. I'm so glad. I'm really that glad. That was really, to be honest with you, was, you know, I'd heard some of the stuff, you know, in, in, in doing some research of what people told me, but th- yeah. that was my first experience with you as anything. I'm lucky. I'm glad. That's the thing I'm the most proud of. It's great. Yeah. I, I like the story. I thought it was ballsy. I thought you were great and you played that, you know, you know, pretty fucking real. Yeah, it and, is and, pretty real. Well, there's a transition in that thing where you have to own these decisions yeah. that, you know, at least publicly, are difficult. Yeah. And you did it with, with candor and with sincerity and, it, you know, and the logic, the emotional logic of it did not deter from the, the sweetness of the film. And that was the biggest challenge of that movie. Yeah. Gillian Robespierre, the writer, director, she is so fucking smart. She's just a sweetie, too. You know, she's... Yeah. She has become a very important person in my life. 
And what, so that was, you know, I, I recommended it right after I saw it. Yeah. So what, what's happening now? Wait, what, how many siblings do you have? Two. How are they? They're cool. They're yeah. great. One of them's at my house right now. Older or younger? I have both. I'm a middle child, of uh-huh. course. And what's the older one do? <laughs> uh, my older sister's name is Abby. She's a nurse practitioner. Oh. She has three kids. And my younger sister's name is Stacy. And she worked for Alice Waters um, and the Edible Schoolyard Foundation. And now she's going back to school to become a mental health counselor. Oh, God. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. They're De- good women. Decent people. Yeah, yeah. So what are you doing now? Um, well, <laughs> I'm doing a bunch of stuff. I just finished Kroll Show season yeah. three, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm on a show on HB, um, Showtime called House of Lies. I'm going to go back to that. And then like I'm in this, I have some movies I'm going to do, but I don't know which will come first or what will happen. And I've, I've started um, doing a new voiceover movie, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say what it is. Are you doing any... <laughs> um... Any any stuff of, of your own? Um, my husband and I have a new Marcel the Shell book and short, and we want to make a feature of it. And I want to write a movie for myself, um, like a good sort of throwback Lily Tomlin style movie, studio film. That's what I want. Great. Yeah, one I... with heart. Oh, and as promised, yeah. when did you go back to the fortune teller? I started to go back. Well, this is the weirdest thing. So she was like, in August, you'll be given the big stage. I got hired. She's like, in September, you're going to call me. I called her on the Sunday after I had said, fuck, on SNL. And she was like, Jenny, I told her you would call me. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And And I had just remembered that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I called her then. And uh, she was basically like, it's going to be a tough one for you, girl. It's going to be a tough one, but you can make it through, but you don't. She was like, I, I can't, I can't help you. And I was like, what? And she was just like, we're just going to have to go week by week on this one. Mm. And I was just like, that sucks. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And? I, we did. I did. You kept in touch with her? <laughs> yeah. I went, I went to her. To the psychic? Yeah. For like, like. I went to her week after week for like a month, two months. Yeah. And then I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> good. Okay. Well, that's yeah. good that finally happened. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for talking. Thanks for having me. That's it. That's our show. See that? How can you not love her? All right. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Mark is clapping. Um, what else? Yeah, there's merch there. You can get some Christmas presents. We stocked up the T-shirts and things and mugs. You can get the app and upgrade to get the, all of them, all the stuff. You can... Uh, oh, my Largo show is sold out, by the way. I'll do another one another time. Um, what else? Are we playing guitar? Are we? All right. If you want to stay, stay. Now I like I now I'm gonna I'm gonna have to start writing stuff for this part. Yeah. So. Okay.
Boomer lives!